sisterhood, the pink mug is back and we are so excited to be connecting with you today with a brand new episode. Our friend and sister, Havila Cunnington, joins us for an amazing sisterhood conversation as we get to know all about her story and journey into walking in God's perfect purpose for her life. All while she shares some incredible truths that are so relevant to girls of every single age and stage of life. So grab a friend or two because we know that you are just going to love this episode of The Pink Mug. I am so glad you are joining us today for the pink mug. It's been a while. Um, I've missed you so much and I cannot wait to see what God is going to do today through our conversation. You know, I know that probably like us, um, my guest here in Savannah, who you know, uh, you've been walking through a lot of uniquenesses during this last few months. And um, if you're watching um, from another part of the world, another part of the country, um, you've been experiencing things as well that are just so different and uncertain. But you know, God hasn't changed. And that's what we're here to remind you of today, that He cares about you, He loves you, and you are a part of an amazing sisterhood that is cheering you on. So we're so glad you're a part today. And Savannah and I are really excited because we have an amazing guest with us and dear friend, Havila Cunnington from California. From California. (laughs) All the way. (laughs) All the way from California. And boy, you have a lot of awesome things to to just be a part of there, yeah. besides the ocean. Yeah. But and yeah. Then you also have some odd things too. We do. It, California <laughs> like has a mix. It's a mix. Absolutely. Fire, a lot of fires. A yeah. In fact, of- people say, where are you from? I said, it's the, where, if you heard of the fires in California, that was part of our town. Yeah. Yeah. It was wild. And that was like, well, what year was that? That was two years ago. Yes. And it was touch and go. I remember and we evacuated. watching you oh. on social media with all of that. Yes. Yes. I went live not knowing that it would be kind of this historic moment of, you know, friends that lost homes. And uh, we just never expected it to jump parts of our, our forest. And it was, it was unbelievable. And then it took out an entire town about an hour and a half away called Paradise. Crazy. That was completely gone. So how yeah. close did it get to your house? You know what? We were on the other side of town. So what happened amazingly enough was our air conditioning was out. And so my girlfriend had opened up her home to us and we had been having over a hundred temp consistently. So we needed to go somewhere and we had done that for yeah. weeks. So we finally went to her home and when we got to her home, uh, we went and had dinner and it was weird. It was kind of dark and gloomy and ash was kind of falling and I'd never been a part of a fire. And we just thought, Oh, this is kind of part of it. And that night we went to get dinner. And when we got home to her home, I rounded the kitchen and in her huge window, there was fire coming down the hill. Oh and I was, I just that said, let's go. One yeah. of the scariest things. You it was could terrifying. Ever and my husband being the kind of man he is started knocking on all the elderly homes. So I'm like getting the kids in the car. And I'm like, where he gets in the car. I go, where were you? Cause I was just knocking on the doors and telling all these people they need to get out. I need to get out. Yep. And we were followed as we were leaving a trail or a, a line of uh, firefighters were coming in. It wow. was really, really intense. 
Wow. Was that, would you say that was one of the most scariest moments of my life? It was, it wasn't um, as nerve wracking in the beginning when we're like, Hey, let's get out. But what was nerve wracking was there was a line of traffic and we weren't moving and we were bumper to bumper. And we're kind of part of a farm town where people had animals and trailers and all of that. And so all of us were trying to get out of town and you could see the fire and it was dark and red. And I could tell, you know, it was like, I think a couple weeks later when Paradise was taken out and people passed away, they were in line trying to get out of town. Oh, I understood gracious. that because we couldn't get anywhere. And yeah. we ended up, uh, there were, and then there were accidents because people were bumping into people. And um, yeah, it was pretty. And the crazy part yeah. was it was that we packed up, we went home, packed up our home because we were supposed to go to Australia the next day with our whole family. Mm -hmm. So we filled all of our cars. I went through her home and grabbed any photo I could, grabbed anything she had, threw it in my car and we drove to Sacramento and we left the next day on a flight to Australia oh and everything we owned was in our car outside of my mom and dad's house. And we said, we don't know if we're coming home to a home or not. It was wow. wild. Yeah, it was wild. Some things I was hoping would be gone. <laughs> I was like, I left like boxes in the driveway. I was like, yeah, let's do this. Fire my wardrobe, my shoes, you know, things that I, I wouldn't mind if I had to get a new wardrobe, but yeah. <laughs> oh, we're going to get back to that. But you know, for some of you, you're like, who is this girl Havila? Oh, you're going to love her. Already probably do just by seeing her smile and her faith just mm -hmm. exude as she's even telling that story. <laughs> but Havilah and her husband, Ben, as she said, live in California, or I said, with their four boys. Yeah, with and four a dog. boys and a dog. So you, you say you have five and a half men in the house. Yes, yeah. I, it is a very, it's an interesting <laughs> season. Yes. And you are one incredibly busy woman. She travels all over the world speaking. Mm -hmm. She writes a lot of books, which I love. <laughs> I love her work. Um, you're you're going to want to check them out, honestly. And we're going to talk about one in particular here in a bit. But um, she also has a, um, a nonprofit yep. called Truth to Table, yeah. where you really want to get truth into the hearts and lives of everyone that's right and um, teach them how to study God's Word that's and right what are some of the other things you do through to well it's really um, an empowerment kind of community and we you know I always had this desire I asked the Lord Lord can you help me reach the world from my kitchen table you know I'm, a, I'm an Italian woman and I like to cook and I like to have people in my home and I like I love being a mom I mean I just love being a mom and so the desire to reach the world without having to leave my home was just on my heart and yeah. so when we started truth to table, like farm to fork, truth yeah, to I table. The goal was to get the truth of God's word to every kitchen table yeah. that we could. So we started with Bible studies and then it, it grew to empowerment courses. What and, year did you start? Uh, that's you a really launch? good question. I, I think it was a soft launch, but yeah. initially, I think officially, um, you know, I don't know. I'm going to say four years ago. Four years because we were running another organization called Moral Revolution, which was based okay. out of Reading, and that was for healthy sexuality. And we were creating uh, content and curriculum for churches to teach about the yes that mm -hmm. God has over our sexuality. And so we were doing all of that. Meanwhile, we were building Truth the Table and knew that maybe there'd be a day we'd do that full time. And then there was a season we couldn't serve both. Yeah. And we can talk about that later. But, you know, sometimes we get to a point where we end up hurting what we're doing because we can't do both. Yeah. And so it takes humility to say, I can't do everything. I can do something, yeah. but I can't do everything. Yes. And so we transitioned and hired some great, a great That'll preach right community. There. Yeah. 
Somebody it's needs the to hear that. Part. So good. <laughs> the hardest part of being obedient sometimes yeah. is letting go of the thing that you thought would be your greatest success. Boy, it's so true. Mm-hmm. Letting go yeah. is hard. We're, mm-hmm. and we'll probably have to go back <laughs> to that as well. Um, but you know what I notice whenever I um, pick up something that you've uh, written or hear you speak, that your story feeds your message. Yeah. And you have an incredible story. You were raised in a pastor's home. I was. Yeah. I was an evangelist home, which my dad used to say was the bottom of the feeding chain. <laughs> like down here, my dad was a congressman's son who uh, was grew up in New York. My grandfather was a, a part of the Supreme Court justice for four terms and was with presidents and uh, astronauts and all the things. Wow. And but he, my dad was raised in a very religious home uh, in Catholicism, and ended up becoming an atheist because he thought if God is a part of this, I don't want to be a part of this. Um, and ended up uh, becoming an atheist, suicidal, and recalled out to Christ and just said, I don't know, Buddha, Krishna, Jesus, I don't know which one of you is real, but I want you to reveal yourself to me, whichever one of you is real. And he ended up wandering into a small little church in a place called Timbuktu in California. There's actually a place called Timbuktu. (laughs) And it was three little old ladies had been praying for revival. And revival looked like old hippies, you know, like dirty old hippies coming in. They, two of them left. They said, we don't think this is what, you know, God would bring, but one stayed and he gave his life to Christ that night. And he'll tell the story where he actually had beads that he had chanted to Krishna and they were around his neck. And when he invited Jesus in to his heart that night, those beads began to choke him. And he said, I said my very first prayer, Jesus. And he said, I reached up and grabbed those beads and the beads scatter all over this wood floor. And the the community ran up to him and said, what is going on? And he said, well, I don't know. I called the name of Jesus. And when I called on his name, I immediately began to fight for my life. I couldn't breathe. And they said, well, you know, those are demons. And when Jesus comes in, everything gets cleaned out. That's how he does it. You get, you know, saved, healed, restored. And so he gave his life to Christ and became a minister, you know, gave his life to that and was on the road for 20 years. So I grew up in a home like that. My mom, on the other hand, was... Were you born when he became a Christian? Yes, after. So after uh, he was had been saved for a while. uh, In fact, he became the pastor of that community, and he was. uh, This is the amazing part of revival. He had the pastor. He had been in the Lord for nine months, so he had. He was the seasoned leader, right? Because that's what revival looked (laughs) like, right? So he did that. My mom happened to be a farmer's daughter. Um, in Northern California, married her high school sweetheart. He was a crop dusting pilot. And uh, she came to know Christ from a program watching Billy Graham on the TV in a hotel room and got radically saved. And her and her husband ended up separating uh, in the middle of that. And he was killed in a crop dusting accident. So she said, she remembers her parents knocking on the door and they said, you got to come. Dennis has been killed. She said, I walked to my bedroom and on the nightstand was the Romans 8:28. all things work wow. together for the good. Wow. And she said she knew that God would have a plan and she met my dad, they got pregnant with twin girls. Mm-hmm. So I was raised in a Christian home, but on the road about eight months out of the year, we were on the road with him throughout different places. So it was a while, it was wild. But I, I will say this, and I think for anyone watching that is part of a first generation community, mm-hmm. like you've never were raised as a Christian and you didn't have anybody like that. I want you to know that there is nothing more powerful than your kids witnessing firsthand the radical salvation that can come. It's just very powerful. So good. Yeah. 
And I think that story of, uh, is so beautiful how um, God took care of breaking the chains of his past. That's you right. Know, that so often in ministry, you see people are just so afraid that they need to get everything lined out before they come to Jesus. Yeah. And here, here's the truth of it. You come to Jesus and he'll take care of everything. That's right. Else. You That's just right. humble yourself Amen. before him and he's going to break those chains and take off of you anything that doesn't belong. And so, so I so agree. So powerful. Yeah, we don't have to we don't have to fight any of no. that. God will come and do what he needs to no, do. No, there's so many stories. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> and even though you grew up in a ministry home, your faith had to become your own. It right. did. I love it did. It. You have a story about that, and I love it. Yeah, you know, I was a cr classic Christian kid, which was I wanted to fit in in every environment. So at school, I wanted to be cool, and in church, I wanted to kind of stay under the radar. And I had a lot of struggles because I had learning disabilities. I was I had reading comprehension issues. I was dyslexic. And I came from a very academic, educated family. Mm -hmm. And so I felt very... Um, I felt broken. Mm -hmm. I felt like I didn't I didn't belong in my in my family. So when it came to Christ, I just assumed that there wasn't anything he needed from me. I wasn't that great. Mm -hmm. I didn't have any intellect or special gifts, so why would he need me? So I definitely lived under the radar. And when I was 17, some guys had picked my sister and I up, I have an identical twin sister, had picked us up to go to a party one night after a church service. And I knew we were on our way there and the music was playing, we're backseat of this car. And all of a sudden I heard the Holy Spirit begin to speak to me. And I heard him say, Havilah, what are you doing? Wow. And it wasn't audible, but it was that knowing, it was that clear voice. Mm -hmm. And I heard him say, you have a call on your life. You have a purpose. You got to get out of this car. Yeah. And I didn't know what to do, but in my awkward 17-ish-ishness, mm -hmm. I said, can you turn the music down? So the guys turned the music down. <laughs> And I just blurted out, I have a call of God on my life, which was incredibly awkward. Even now, if I think about it, it was nothing. It was no music. There was no pastor. But as I said it, I immediately, and I believe this, when we really, when we begin to declare what is right and true, I began to weep. And I knew something was happening. I looked over at my sister and I didn't know if she was happy or wanted to kill me because I had ruined the, the vibe of the night. And she's crying. And I wow. said to the guys, you're welcome to come with me if you want, but I'm going to serve God. This wow. is what I'm going to do. And I still, I mean, just the awkwardness <laughs> of our teen years, I look out the window and I realize that the guys weren't taking us to the party anymore, that we were in front of our house. They came to drop us off. <laughs> so I awkwardly got out of the house and I remember going in the home. It was dark and I knelt down on my bed and I said this prayer out loud, God, I'm not much. I'm young. I'm 17. I have no special gifts or graces. In fact, I feel kind of broken and dumb and illiterate. Um, and I'm a girl, don't really know how that fits in the grand scheme of calling. Uh, but if you can use anyone, you yeah. can use me, I'm available. Yeah, and I wish that maybe the heavens had opened. You ever said a prayer yeah. like that where you're like, I wish the heavens opened and an angel. It's just like flat an angel, yes. And I sometimes feel that way where yeah. we expect because we see these books and stories yeah. where people have these encounters and we think that that's what makes it real. It yeah. doesn't. The encounter yeah. doesn't make it real. The heart and what we say with our yes. mouth makes it real. Yeah. So and so God God took me up on his promise. That's so good. So yeah. Awesome. I really think you should speak to that girl right now because that... I feel like there's someone watching, maybe more than one, and you're having a Holy Spirit moment right now. Yeah. It's like the Holy Spirit stopping you through Havilah's words and saying, hey, 
speaking your name yeah. and saying, right now I'm calling you. And have a, what yeah. would you say to them? Well, first of all, if no one has ever told you this before, you need to know that you have a call on your life and that your life has enormous purpose that your parents wanting you or not wanting you was the second person that had any kind of vote, that the God of the universe wanted you on the earth today for a specific purpose. And I love the quote that says, just you being born is evidence that you possess something this generation needs. And so I wanna remind you that if you wanna live a great life, you're gonna have to leave the crowd. You're gonna have to stand up for who you know you're supposed to be. And you're gonna have to be willing to take the risk Mm -hmm. to fight for the person that you know you're supposed to be in this Mm -hmm. season. So what I wanna say to you is you can do this. This is not too much. But if you are young and you're like, I don't know how to do all this, Mm -hmm. you don't have to figure all that out. All you have to do is say yes. And I promise you, God will take you up on your yes. What I find interesting about your story too, that you kind of alluded to when you were talking to the girls just now is, is that you know sometimes you have to take a stand and you have to do it alone. You did not know what your sister was gonna do. I did not. You no, know. in fact, I thought she was gonna be mad at me. I initially yeah. thought, she's gonna be mad at me. This is gonna not end well. Yeah. But there's something about not hesitating. Yeah. In, right? Don't you think Just like responding. in the middle of truth? Yes. Yeah, it's like if you think about it too much, you will out-talk yourself in any way. Yeah. So I always feel like that's been one of the greatest like tools I would say for anybody in their pursuit of God and purpose, don't hesitate. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't allow yourself to wonder. Get in there and do it. Raise your hands yeah. when you want to raise your hands. Pray when yeah. you want to pray. Declare. Just don't hesitate. So good. so good, Savannah. You you know I think about you in high school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, and, I felt the same way you did, Havel. <laughs> and you you tell stories even about just feeling extremely alone, mm-hmm. um, walking through the halls of yeah yeah. Yeah, because I went from homeschooling into a public school yeah. setting, and so that was a big, huge transition. What year were you when you did that? My freshman year, Your I went into, year. yeah. So, and then I went into a high school, and it was, I mean, like most high schools, you know, a lot of partying. Yep. Um, and so I just felt very, like, like an outsider. Yep. And um, I was very shy. I was very quiet and an introvert. And so I would just go to school and I'd sit at my desk and I'd bring my Bible and I would just read it. So I didn't have to talk to anyone. Big Bible. A big not Bible. A, I would set it on every desk. A big Bible. Um, but I, I knew, you know what? I I have to choose to, to and it was like making my faith my own too. Mm-hmm. Like I, I would bring my Bible, but then you just question. You're like, I feel so out of place. Is this something mm-hmm. I really want to do? And so, um, but God used that season to be like a defining moment in my life because it was, the battle was so intense Yes. to be like, okay, Savannah, this is who, like you said, this is who I've called you to be. And it's not going to be easy. And, um, it's cool. Cause you feel like you're like not making a difference. Cause you're like this quiet, shy kid who's yeah. sitting back. But yeah. I've had girls come up to me years later oh, and say, goodness. Like, I love Jesus we because just, I saw you reading your Bible. to somebody or, not recently that came up to us. Yeah, yeah, so, you know, I just think when you take a stand, mm-hmm. you don't know you what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You don't know what's on the other side of your yes, yes. even when it's hard. 
But um, God is you're so, making a God's difference, so girl. Yeah, you you're making are. a difference. Yeah, and it translates into all of our lives. Like yeah. I think about what kind of mom I want to be in the midst mm-hmm. of what everyone's yeah. telling me I should be, yeah. or what kind of woman am I going to embrace who God created me to be, mm-hmm. or am I going to be intimidated and try to be something I'm not? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All along our lives, we have these moments where we have to decide: Are we going to be mm-hmm. authentic to who yeah. Christ called mm-hmm. us to That's be? So are we going to bow down to what the culture is telling yeah. us we are? And there's this really modern movement of that. Mm-hmm. But it's not just about loving yourself. It's about loving the person God created yeah, you to be. A There's a difference. That's a good word. Because yeah. then it's not self-focused. It's not self-focused. Yeah. Focused. At the end yeah. of the rainbow, if all you get is you, you'll yeah. be disappointed. Yeah. But if you get go to the end of the rainbow and you find there's a God of the universe that loves you, created you, and has a plan for you, I can buy into that. Yeah. Yeah. That's for the girls out there that are, or guys... Hi guys. Yeah, hi guys. <laughs> you brave guys watching a pink show. That's right. You have made a decision to follow Christ and you lifted your hand maybe today and said, okay, God, I know you're calling me to something amazing and that I have a plan, you have yeah. a plan and purpose for my life. And so, okay, God, here I am. And you're like, nothing's happening. You know, it's like, when, yeah. when are the doors going to open? Yeah. When are the waters going to part? When is somebody going to call me and say, come and do this or that? So how yeah. did you go from yeah. that moment yeah. to today? Good. Right. Right. Because I think we live in a TV mm-hmm. media moment where it's the the instant, instant. fan. Yeah, yeah. YouTube, you know, just I'm called to speak. Boom. You're on a platform yeah. the next day. Think yeah. about, I always relate it to David's life in the Bible where mm-hmm. David was a shepherd. You know, God anointed David in front of his brothers, called him out, anointed him, and then he went back to serving his dad for many, many years and then didn't have a Goliath moment for a long time. And I think there's this kind of part of us where we we don't think it's valid until it's public. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say, for me personally, um, I the way that um, what unlocked my calling was service, mm-hmm. service to God so, and service of the people, good. me serving my local church, showing up. I mean, I did everything from ch- changing Broadway. diapers when we were allowed to change diapers. <laughs> yeah. I did everything from um, cleaning to answering phones. Yeah. You got to call them. You got to call the parent now. Um, you know, I did everything I could. I mean, I did it. I was, I ended up being a worship pastor for eight years before I was a teaching pastor. So you just serve, you get in the family of God, you find a place and God will give you, uh, elevate you when, when there's time. I always say this too. I don't know if you feel this way, Pastor Debbie, but you know, if God can work on your character in private, it is a luxury. The things that God needs to work out in your life, if it can be anonymous, it is a luxury. It allows you to do the yeah, things where no one is so watching. Good. When people are watching, it's, it's a whole nother experience. So, you know, I look back when I was a young woman, I gave God my whole life. And that wasn't just my heart. It was my body. Mm-hmm. I remember giving God my sexuality. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to go into the bedroom mm-hmm. to meet my soul needs. I'm not going to go to the mm-hmm. bedroom to meet other needs. I'm going to trust that God believes in the institute mm-hmm. of marriage and the covenant of marriage. So and I'm going to save mm-hmm. myself, body, soul, and spirit for my spouse. Not that that would, uh, and I think we get this wrong in the church. We think that if we save ourselves, then we're owed a good marriage. That is not what we do it. Yeah. I didn't save myself for my spouse. Mm-hmm. I saved myself for God. God I was a commitment yeah. and an honor of him. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what my spouse has chosen to do or what his life will be that's up to him but it wasn't to earn a good marriage it was because I valued 
and trusted that when God said yes and God said mm-hmm. no, that was the right yes and no. So I, I just remember giving God all of that. And I think um, so many of us want God to like, we want to give God our lives, but we don't want to give him those parts that will cost us. And for me personally, I remember giving God those, the toughest parts of being alone or not being able to go home with somebody or have a wedding date or those things. And I had them. It wasn't like I never had them, but I knew that I wasn't going to date people that weren't people that loved God, knew God, had a heart for God. Those were important. And so as I was in that, those seasons, I remember just the cost, the cost of it. But those seasons of learning self-control yeah. and clarity and the heart of God and yeah. the cost and even the uncomfortable, like if you're going to do what God's called you to do, you need to be okay with being uncomfortable, so, it costing mm-hmm. you right. and not allowing public opinion to define your value so or who good. you're supposed mm-hmm. to be. So mm-hmm. now in 15 years of marriage, almost the self-control is not something that I worked on as a, as a, as a single person, I use it more in my marriage than I did as a single woman. So whatever God's working on in your life, I promise you it is for the future and you'll utilize those things. It connects to your purpose. Right. It connects to all of it. It's not always easy though. Not at all. Like he's refining us every day. And that's, I mean, we, Look to him to yeah. do that because yeah. I want to grow. I want to yeah. grow as a leader. Me I want too. to. I want to always keep growing, um, so that he can feel confident to use me. Yeah. Um, so that's so good, so good. Well, I'm excited because this is just part one of <laughs> two part, the Pink Mug series with Havila. So um, the next um, Pink Mug episode, we're going to be talking about your book. I do hard things. Awesome. And so just because you said, okay, God, I give you my whole life. Um, I'm going to do whatever you call me to do and lead me to do. I'm going to do it humbly and I'm going to honor you That's right. with every part of my life. It didn't mean it exempted you from painful mm-hmm. moments and seasons. That's right. And um, you talk a lot about um, just your singleness and how walking through that, but as well, there were some other transition moments. As I, I read just an excerpt from, mm-hmm. from a page in this book about postpartum depression. Yeah. That was a surprise to you. Yeah. Because you say, here I was raised as a Christian. I wasn't from an abusive home. Mm-hmm. I wasn't neglected. You know, I, I was like, I didn't have, feel like I had a reason to be depressed, but here I found myself that's right. Struggling and walking through this pain that I never thought I would experience. Yes. And, and so within the pages of the books, you give us practical tools and how to handle pain yeah. and to not necessarily overcome the pain, but to view the pain as something that God can use. That's right. So I'm going to say too much. <laughs> so anyway, this is so good. And I really believe that there's girls out there, guys out there that God really touched your heart today yeah. through the story, um, just through what Havila shared. And you're like, I, I'm going to turn my life over to Jesus Come today. On. I'm going to make a commitment to follow him wholeheartedly because I too believe God has a purpose and a plan for my life and I want to live it out. I'm so excited for you if you're making that decision today. And I do believe for you the best is yet to come because that's what the Word of God says. That's right. And and so, Havila, would you close this episode in prayer and pray over those precious people? Yeah, Lord, we thank you for every woman and every man that might be watching this today. And 
they're in a moment where they just feel that drawing and that pulling. I ask that they would find the courage to surrender to you, that they would they would be able to just say, God, I give you everything that we, that they would not bow down to shame or fear or the parts of them that feel uh, unworthy of this. And I pray that they would be able to surrender their heart to you. God, I know that you have a purpose for their life. I am confident that your plans for them are, are incredible you, and yes. better than they've ever Praise had. You, I believe that there are miracles waiting for them on yes. the other side of this moment. And so I just declare over them, courage, yes. courage to become the woman they know they're called to be. I pray for every young woman that's on the journey of giving God every mm -hmm. part of them, their body, soul, and Hallelujah. spirit. Give them courage to say yes. I pray for every young mom that's trying to figure out how to be a mom in the middle of a crazy pandemic season that you'd give them courage to put you as the center. I pray for every mom that's been through it all and the grandmas in the room that are saying, you know, I've been there, done it, but man, I need a fresh wind yes. and a fresh desire. I pray that you would awaken them to a new reality of you. I thank you for every woman watching. I thank you that you are fully active in our lives and want the very best for us. And we trust you. We thank you for your, your hand on our lives. Touch us and, and, and anoint us for the calling and the assignment that we have. Praise in Jesus' God. mighty name. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Well, if you've been blessed by our conversation today, we're so thankful. We pray blessing over you, and I would highly recommend you look Havila up on social media. Follow her. She has so much wisdom to offer you, and we pray God blesses you today, and we can't wait to see you next time. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today on The Pink Mug. Be sure to tune in right here on the second Tuesday of each month for a brand new episode. We would love for you to like and share today's show with your friends and connect with us on social media. Follow Design Sisterhood on Facebook and Instagram to learn more about who we are as a sisterhood and how you can be a part.